Thank you for being here today. This is Cultural High Podcast. We're very happy to, to be able to bring you on here representing the Fireside Project. I understand you're the lead supervisor over there. And, and just to give our listeners a little rundown really quick, the Fireside Project is there to help minimize the risks and fulfill the potential of psychedelic experiences in ways such as providing compassionate, accessible, and culturally responsive peer support, educating the public, and furthering psychedelic research. Do you want to speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I would love to. And Bryce, thanks so much for for having me on. The simplest way to think about Fireside Project and and what, what we do and what we are is a free hotline that anyone can call or text into. We're open 365 days a year, uh, 12 hours a day, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Pacific time every day of the year. And we have a bunch of amazing volunteers who are trained to support folks who are actively tripping on psychedelics or cannabis or looking to process previous experiences with psychedelics and cannabis. And really the vision is that, you know, to help make the psychedelic space, a safer space, because with this new psychedelic renaissance, there's so much hype around psychedelics and even, you know, of course, let's not forget about cannabis and the amazing renaissance and cannabis use across the country. And a lot of people are experimenting with these substances and they don't really know, you know, what difference between indica and you know or how you know gummies might affect you differently than a little pop <laughs> from the J, right? Yeah, yeah. Was, um, if they need help, now they have a, a place to call that's not you know nine one one. That is awesome. That is awesome. I've, there's so many stories I've heard. We, uh, uh, my other daytime job um, is in the cannabis uh, industry and also in this new budding legal hemp cannabinoid alternative cannabinoid industry. We run a company doing that and it is. There's so much. There, there's so much missing. There's just no education. People have no idea. You know, they come in and, and they don't even, they have no idea. Like you said, past sativa and indica, they don't even know what they're smoking or ingesting. If it's Delta nine, Delta eight, they have no idea any differences and stuff. And then you take that past to edibles, people buy some edible that tastes really good. And now all of a sudden they're half a, you know, a gummy jar and they're 10 gummies in, and then they're freaking out and they're high for two to three days. Cause they never and so uh, there's so many stories like that. So having, having someone out there that can be there for them, that's amazing, you know, cause there's, there are times that people end up going and, you know, calling 911, going to the emergency room and they were just too high <laughs> and they just needed someone to help them chill out. You know, you guys were founded in 2021, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell me what was the drive? What was the motivation behind starting this? Sure. So full transparency, I was not part of the original team that founded Fireside Project, but that credit goes to our founder, Josh White, and uh, co-founder, Anifa Nawashlik. And the story, as I understand it, is that it was a magical experience at Burning Man that they had together. And they said to themselves, you know, there really should be something out there that exists so that anyone who wants to talk to someone while they're on psychedelics Anyone who wants help integrating past experience and have access to that for free. So it was like a project of passion then. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like so many awesome endeavors in this space are, you know, really born of a deep passion. Those are normally the ones that also have the greatest impact, whether that be financial, you know, the, the greatest success isn't ever measured by dollars. It's measured by the people that we impact. And so 
doing some research on you guys. You guys have impacted a lot of people. I, the deck that I got sent over that I was able to look at, I was able to see some t- uh, statistics just from your first year, uh, from April 2021 to April 2022. In that first year, you had over 2,500 conversations, over 13,000 hours logged helping people, whether through text message or phone calls. That's that's a lot, especially just in the first year. I mean, how did you guys how did you guys bring awareness that this was even out there? I had never heard of the Fireside Project. Tell this came across, you know, for the interview. So how did, how do you guys bring awareness that you guys are out there? Yeah, well, it's, uh, of course, a multifaceted effort. And we're lucky that a lot of people in this space really also see the need for this type of service, especially a free service, you know, that's accessible to anyone. And so word of mouth has been a huge way that we've spread. We've also, you know, connected with different media outlets. They're so great stories out there mentioning us and some pretty big patients obviously the basic stuff like social media we've also been reaching out and connecting the festivals you know all across the world and uh, letting them like in-person stuff. support yeah. at like burning man and different stuff yeah you guys off of that as well no there's uh wonderful groups like the zendo project that specialize mm-hmm. um, in on-site in-person psychedelic harm reduction but it's, you know, for, you know, we still like to connect with festivals just so folks know that even if you can't make it to the psychedelic harm reduction tent, if you have a phone and you talk to someone, you know, we, we're still a service that folks can use. That's awesome. So what brought you to this, the Fireside Project? What, what, what drew you and how long have you been with the team? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that could be a very long story, but I'll try and keep it fairly short. Uh, I joined in. October, uh, or, um, year before last. So I, I've been with Fireside for about a year and a half and yeah, I started my, basically my first, uh, experience with psychedelic harm reduction was in-person festival harm reduction back in 2009 in Texas at a regional burning, burning man event called burning Flipside. And I just couldn't believe that there was this team of volunteers who created this awesome little chill space for people who were tripping too hard and yeah. needed to, you know, relax and, and chill out a little. I just thought that was so cool. And I really looked up to the people who, who ran that space as like heroes. Wow. That is so cool. Like at, for me and myself, I've had so many impactful experiences with psychedelics and, and also with cannabis and you know, as we know, even if you have a bunch of really wonderful experiences, part of that territory is going through some really dicey, challenging um, moments, right? And, you know, coming face to face with, you know, really, really deep fears, maybe even traumas, um, feelings of overwhelm. And the idea that we could create a container um, for people to navigate those things a little bit easier, and especially to avoid like the biggest harms, like someone really losing it, running off into the woods or... yeah. Jumping into a fire or something crazy. Like yeah. That. Um, it, it just feels really special and really important. You know, one of the things that I think made this extra special for me was the understanding that out in the broader world, uh, what burners would call the default world, spaces like this don't exist at all. In fact, it's the opposite. You know, psychedelics and up until recently, cannabis and still to some degree, cannabis are stigmatized. Basically, around you know, drugs are bad. They can scramble your brain. They're gonna, you know, break your chromosomes. They'll burn holes in your 
you know, in your brain tissue, there's so much false information out there Mm -hmm. um, and there's so much judgment coming from mainstream media and mainstream culture that, you know, those of us who have chosen to explore our consciousness um, on our own and friends and rituals, whatever the context, you know, these are some of the most meaningful experiences of our lives. And in fact, we're tapping into a much more ancient practice, right? Of consciousness exploration that is kind of a birthright of all humans. Humanity has done throughout time. And it's only our kind of British industrialized, uh, you know, modern culture that thinks that it's bad. And so being stuck in this culture, it, it was just so refreshing to me to see like, wow, there's people out here who are not just like, you know, screwed up druggies that are into drugs, right? As, you know, maybe mainstream media suggested it might be. Right. These are like very thoughtful, intelligent, caring people who are also exploring their consciousness and they want to give others, you know, the gift of a safe container to not have these experiences. So that was hugely mind-blowing for me and felt very special. And to get back to your question about how that brings me all the way to Fireside, volunteered at that psychedelic harm reduction group for many, many years, about 10 years, eventually found my way into psychedelic journalism. I was wrote for a website called psychedelictimes.com for many years um, and had the privilege of interviewing many of the industries, you know, meeting researchers, thought leaders, and, um, and you know, many of my heroes, uh, people like Dr. Carl Hargs and Rick Doblin and Rick Strassman and um, David Jadis. Yeah, legends, exactly. And that was really an amazing experience for me, um, especially because it was early in this new renaissance. And so we kind of got to see uh, everything change. Psychedelics are still somewhat obscure to, oh, Michael Pollan releases How to Change Your Mind. Um, yeah, the cannabis laws continue to spread across the country. And now psychedelic laws are starting to spread right. Yeah. And I spent some years doing psychedelic coaching, preparation and integration coaching, and then uh, eventually found my way to Fireside Project after interviewing Josh and Anifa, the founder and co-founder for Psychedelic Time. I saw they had an opening and I said, I would love to be involved, um, you know, and I joined. They feel like That's awesome. That's awesome. It is neat to see how psychedelics are finally being looked at again for possible medicinal purposes. Uh, I love it. I'm, a, I'm an army vet. I got out in uh, 2011. When I came out at that time, the the federal government, you know, the Department of Veterans Affairs, like you said, drugs are bad, weed's bad, psychedelics bad. It's all bad if you're using it. You're a druggie. They gave you a uh, if you were if you were deployed in any combat situations or anything. Uh, and I had two deployments. When you got back, almost all of us you get set this like standard script of you know anywhere from six meds up, and it's just mental meds and opioids and stuff, and it just you know it hurts you and it messes you up. I was talking with a friend the other day, the, the, the organizer of cannabis radio, Brandy, and she was telling me about somebody that she knows that's a, an ex special forces veteran, really straight edge guy, never drink, never smoke, never nothing, but he just takes his medicine that he's prescribed. And now after 15 years of being out of the military, he needs a liver transplant from cirrhosis of the liver. And it's just because of the meds that he got put on. And I think back to when I got out and all the medications I was on, I got out in 2011 and cannabis was the first 
I didn't touch psychedelics uh, for the first, pro- I think it was like two years uh, when I got out of the military, but cannabis saved my life, completely saved my life. Um, and I wasn't using it recreationally. I was just using it medicinally. And it gave me a, it helped me, give, not a new, a new purpose, just helped me enjoy life and start readapting better. And then, you know, with I was still having my own issues and stuff and psychedelics helped that. I, uh, I first started taking psychedelics for, mo- like most people probably do recreationally, with LSD and then some mushrooms and the relief that I got and just the enjoyment and my outlook on life and just pure bliss and it, you know just killing my ego and being able to accept things and look at things in a new light I loved it and then I started because some friends started learning about the healing powers and you know if you approach it in a different way and so I started doing that and it helped me through some of my darkest times of my life and and I owe my life and 100% I owe my life to to psychedelics, specifically to DMT for the transformation that I went through. And after that transformation, I haven't touched it. I've, I've never had the need for, for psychedelics 2016, but it, that was when my life started over. Like I literally can go back to the day of when my life changed because of that. And now I've, I've been doing my own research on some, I have a, I get to interview to, um, tomorrow, uh, I have another podcast with Stephen Gray. Uh, he's an author, uh, in psychedelics. Yep. You already know him. And so uh, prepping for that as well. And then for you and everything, just looking at some thing, some things, the federal government, specifically the department of veterans affairs is now recognizing psilocybin, MDMA and ketamine treatments. And then I came to find out that there's actually a ketamine clinic in Denver, Colorado that veterans can go and it's covered by the department of veterans affairs and you can go get treatment and everything for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and chronic pain. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And you know, I, I, I just wish that, that, that there was that alternative, not just for veterans, but anybody that might be going through any trauma, traumatic experiences, because you don't have to be a military veteran. You have PTSD. That's just a traumatic experience. And it's not always PTSD. It's not, a, it's not a disorder. You know, you just go through, when you go through trauma in life, sometimes that just holds on to you and you just need a way to release it. And then you're good. And then you'll keep going on with life and you're healed. It's not a disorder. And that's, I wish more people would look at it that way. And psychedelics is is that thing that I've seen time and time again and, and heard countless stories of it completely changing their life, opening a new door, and they were able to start a new chapter and, and live a much better life. And it's amazing to hear people like yourself and the founders of this, that that's what they're working towards is, is removing that stigmatism to, to show people that, you know, you're not, we're not, we're not druggies. <laughs> we're not out here trying to do hard drugs and stuff. We're, we're caring, compassionate, uh, people that are working towards a purpose that have a, a a common goal in mind, but that goal is to help people be better and better humanity as a whole, not for padding our own pockets, but just to see everybody, you know, live a better life. And I just wish more people had that mindset. So talking about that, you guys are pushing research. You're helping push research there at Fireside Project. I'm sure you guys are probably involved in some type of politics and stuff as well. What is firesides and even maybe your own personal opinion on the the cannabis as you said renaissance and the psychedelic renaissance in this nation and where do you see it going and what are you guys doing to be a part of that first and foremost just want to say um you know thank you for your service and for sharing your own you know personal story of transformation with these incredible tools and medicines um it's a a story that you know i've heard similar ones so many times from other incredible veterans there's i just want to shout out some of the incredible organizations out there that's veterans exploring treatment solutions are really helping to burst the envelope 
and get treatment out to folks, especially in the, um, in the special forces community and heroic hearts project as well. Um, it's so wonderful to see, um, this, you know, emphasis on helping some of the folks who need it the most, which definitely military veterans, uh, as well as others is pointed out. Yeah. So how are we helping to you know, transform the space and how do we see it? Yeah, yeah. It's so complicated. You know, be careful what you wish for because you might get it, right? Yep. Wouldn't it be great if all of a sudden everyone was like curious about psychedelic? <laughs> well, yes, but. <laughs> so there's one set of problems. Yeah, there's there's a lot of problems. You know, first and foremost, we're super lucky to be where we are. We're not still stuck in, you know, 60s, you know, Nixon era paranoia about drugs. We've moved past much of the disinformation. So that's a huge step forward and we should always you know, honor that. However, right, there's issues. There's, right now it's the wild west of for-profit research companies and facilitation companies looking to stake a claim in this space. And some of that is good. And some of that is not so good. There's going to be bad actors in there. There's going to be good actors in there. Um, But we need to be mindful that both of those will exist. Also, the psychedelic space has been criticized for many years for being a very we have a white male dominated space, at least uh, out in the media. And I think that's uh, a valid criticism, you know, uh, kind of along those same lines. Also, a lot of the potentials of this psychedelic renaissance may end up being more accessible to the affluence, right? And those who are, you know, from, you know, communities that uh, can't afford a ayahuasca retreat or, you know, um, $800 per Kevin fusion or things like this. So not to interrupt there, but do you also think maybe it's due to the stigmatism? Cause like, if you look at cannabis, I'll just say it, a white guy using cannabis and a minority using cannabis is going to be looked at in two different ways. And it's, it's terrible that that is, I hate that. I hate that. But do you think, is that the same thing? I mean, if we look back, as you mentioned that the Reagan era, if we look back to why a lot of this stuff got criminalized and scheduled, it was racial influence and it it was terrible. Our country was just divided and segregated at that time. And it still is in a way, you know, and now we just, we segregate each other ourselves and for different reasons. But do you think that's a part of the stigmatism as well of why it's a white, white male dominated is because of as a white male, you might not get as much in trouble. Like I just, just to say it, and I, I hate the way that's where our country runs, but it is. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. These are huge, important. Yeah. The, and these are huge things to be talking about, right? I mean, and this brushes up, as you said, against much broader issues, you know, the racist origins of the war on drugs, or, yep. you know, the way that different um, communities view, like the validity of research, how comfortable different communities are with doctors, how safe, you know, different shades of skin, my, no. How safe you might feel going into a doctor's clinic, or what if you get caught with cannabis or with a psychedelic? Yeah, these these are huge issues, and this is actually something that we're doing in our own small way. Something that we feel really passionate about, which is our equity initiative at Fireside Project. Basically, anyone who is BIPOC or transgender or a military veteran, when they call or text into Fireside Project and ask to speak to someone sharing that identity. So if you're like, you know, I'm a vet, I'm having, let's say PTSD come up on this mushroom trip and I, 
I'd love to talk to another vet about this right now, you know, or I just went through this retreat and it was amazing, but really hard. Uh, it would be so good to talk to another vet. You can call in and request that. And that's something that we provide for those three communities. And then even beyond that, uh, for volunteers, uh, that have those identities, you know, within our own, um, community of fireside projects, we're, um, creating opportunities for vets, transgender and BIPOC folks who do one year of volunteering with us. We have, we are partnered with institutions like California Institute of Integral Studies and Europa University are some of the leading edge programs out there working with psychedelics. And we want to help launch uh, those folks into careers in the psychedelic industry so that we can improve representation Beautiful. in the space. And so these, you know, minority voice and be heard and represented. It's important. We're, uh, one of my other, uh, things that I do during the daytime, um, is I'm part of a new can, a new cannabis venture out in Las Vegas, Las Vegas, last year, legalized cannabis consumption lounges. Uh, they did a lottery system and, uh, we, we applied and we were lucky enough to get one of the 20 licenses. Um, and so we're, we're in the process of building that out, but in our plan, we did something very similar. We did a, a social equity part of of reaching out to those different classes. And I mean, I hate to say it's classes, just just to reaching out to people that might get looked at differently and they shouldn't. And that's all I have to put it because people are people. God made us all. Whatever you believe in and as a creator, whatever you believe in, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We're just we're just a little bit different. And but that difference is what makes us special, you know? And people shouldn't be looked at differently regarding of their sexual orientation, political views, re- religious views what they what what their previous job choice might be because we're also doing uh, giving back a second chance to um, prior uh, cannabis convictions and felonies and stuff as long as it's a non-violent you know if it's just they were just they were trying to be a businessman and and they got they got in trouble then guess what we're going to give you a second chance to come be a businessman legit in in the industry and i love that uh the people are that are doing that for doing that for others in the same you know in the space because we're we're all uh, cannabis psychedelics it's all the same space uh, we're all in this together and it just depends on what side of it that you're on. But I love, uh, meeting other people that are fellow minded, like we've kept saying, just working to better people. So uh, let's talk. And we got, you know, we got about five, six minutes left here. I want to talk about some things. So I was looking, you definitely have a lot of people, uh, a lot of your calls and stuff are, you know, right in the peak of the trip, you know, when it's the hardest, when it's going up and they just need somebody to help calm them down. But I was also interested in the statistics of the the integration calls after the experience because that that's not like you know I, with my experience in psychedelics I, i've had the pleasure and the privilege to be if you will uh, just a, a trip sitter help people through a trip guide was been told that i have good vibes and so I'm, i've been able to pull people out of a bad trip before when i'm tripping with them in person i've always been able to for the most part keep my trips under control that after part talking about that that's almost like therapy you know, because trying to understand and break down those experiences, because at the time there's been several times and I've told people this, especially when I've had really intense, uh, L- one of, one of my really intense trips was a mixture of LSD and psilocybin. We did, uh, we made a psilocybin tea and took LSD and, and that was very mind opening and, and just an amazing journey. But it took me, uh, after that journey, it took me several days to try to break it down and process what had happened. And as I was going through the parts of my journey and just trying to link it all up and make sense of it. So calling into that, 
you know, like I said, that's like, that's like therapy. So I have two questions on there. One, can you just talk about that? Maybe give us some examples and, and how that came about. But then two, how do you train your people for that? Yeah, great question. And as a psychedelic peer support hotline, it's an important distinction for us that we do not provide therapy, even though right, right. and texters might find the conversation therapeutic. <laughs> Uh, we are providing peer support and only holding ourselves out there as peer support yeah. specialists, right? I get it. At the end of the day, you're like the bartender. You know, your bartender becomes a therapist sometimes for people, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And really, it comes down to the art of listening and uh, reflecting. Wow. You know, when someone shares about an experience, it's not about us you know, like in therapy, there's a bit of a hierarchy there, right? There's the expert and the client. There's maybe some contexts and systems that the therapist might, based on their training, to apply to the situation. And peer support, it's like you said with the bartender, we're there to just listen. And just having a space where you know you can talk to someone that's not going to judge you. Um, and you can share all the gory details about what came up during maybe the hardest experience of your life. And the person on the other end like, wow, that sounds so intense, but that also, you know, really beautiful. And I've been there too. Uh, that can be so deeply healing. Just simply having someone to talk to, another human being who's not going to judge you and will just listen. And then beyond that, um, you know, reflection and uh, reflective listening is one of the core skills that we teach. And it's really just letting people know that we're listening and right? repeating back here putting our own, you know, spin, our own understanding on it is, is a way to amp that up even further. To not just be like this container to listen, but also like, yeah, I'm really engaged. I'm really listening. I hear you that, um, this brought up one of your deepest fears that you've had since childhood. Like I do that and that's okay. And then another wonderful tool, you know, from there is being curious, like, you know, what was that like for you to relive this really powerful experience? What was it like to feel connected to the universe? Um, you know, what does that tell you about how you live your life every day? Just some simple, powerful questions can really, basically we're looking to simply unlock everyone's own inner understanding. You know, you're the term inner healer. It's not about us doing anything special, right? We're not experts of any kind. We're just other human beings. And by holding up a mirror folks, and giving people a chance to feel safe and accepted and heard, it, it unlocks everyone's own inner understanding and potential. Just being able to talk things through, it's incredible to see people just kind of bloom with their own insights that have come from within. That's what makes them insights that last forever. I mean, that's beautiful. You guys are doing the work of a higher power. You know, you're doing what the the basic what I believe is like the basic commandment for all human beings is just to love one another and just be there for one another, you know? And that's, there's too many times that people just don't have somebody that, you know, and it doesn't have to be your closest friend or something. Sometimes the most powerful impact is just that stranger that you have no idea, but that person just being there for you can have such a huge impact on your life. And, and, you know, the fact that this type of space has been created to help people in some of, like you said, some of the harshest can be some of the most challenging times of your life of going through a psychedelic experience, especially when you're reliving 
past experiences that you've tried to put away and box up and not remember anything. And, and sometimes they get amplified even more and in more detail. And it's just, you know, you really remember it, you feel it, you smell it, you taste it. And it's to get, be able to come over that and have someone there that's just non-judging and, hey man, it's okay. You know, that's, that, that's really powerful. So my last question for you, where do you, uh, where do you see the future of Fireside and where are you guys trying to help hoping to grow it? Well, we have so many visions for the future. Um, <laughs> immediate future. What you guys is, what's the next goal for Fireside? Where are you guys, you guys have been going for two years now. What's the, uh, what's the next goal for Fireside? Yeah. Well, it's honestly, it's just about getting the word out and growing the service more and more and more. One day it would be wonderful, possibly expand to places outside of the United States. It might be good to expand from 12 hours a day to 24 hours a day, you know, expanding our affinity integration service to, you know, other subsets of cultures and identities, you know, and our equity initiative in general, growing that there's, we have a lot of different irons in the fire and mm -hmm. I, I can't really point to one single thing right now that we're like for sure gonna gonna move towards next but we are growing very rapidly and so a lot of our time is also just keeping up with that and trying to stoke those those blinds we're we're closing in on two years now and it's like we will pass the 10,000 all mark uh before that point so um our our call and text volume has gone up quite a bit so we're just keeping up with it you know, improving our training even more and more and more. Um, there's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on all at once. It makes it really exciting and dynamic. And, and yeah, growing the team. That's amazing. So if somebody wants to uh, volunteer, whether it be volunteering or just maybe donating to the cause, how can they, how can they do that? Absolutely. Yeah. Firesideproject.org. There's a get involved section with links to all of that donating you know any job opportunities and also to sign up to be a volunteer that'll that'll all be up there we're also on social media um including tiktok and and other outlets yeah yeah find us online and reach out if you want to be involved awesome well thank you wesley so much for being here today and, and taking the time to spread the awareness and just and talk about what you guys are doing i think it's amazing an amazing project really powerful um and definitely something that I'm going to spread the word about and, and also maybe you know, myself and, and the, our business and see how we could, you know, get in and support since we're in this, in this community, I should say, not this industry, it's a community. And so thank you for what you guys are doing. Bravo to you and look forward to seeing the, the impact that you guys continue and have over the years. Thank you so much, Wesley. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.